Welcome to the Macomb Israel Teacher's Lounge podcast, where we connect students and listeners to what's happening in Israel and give you insight behind the headlines. I am your host, Michael Angerberg, here as always with co-host Alan Goldman. How are you, Alan? Okay. You sound cheery. And here, yeah. and we are happy to welcome back Benji Davis, who hasn't been here in a while. Hey, Benji. I want to recommend that Alan use a different word besides okay, because every time I listen to the podcast, I know Alan's going to be okay, because all he says every time is okay. So what should I say? I don't know. It's all about changing it up, Alan. Reflect your mood. Fresh. Are you just always okay? Are you just kind of a par of okay, like, de- you know, dessert? Well, since we usually do this on Thursday, it's like an okay by the end of the week. If I'm still okay by the end of the week, things are going well. <laughs> That's about as good as it gets. Well, we wanted to do sort of a news roundup about various things in what Israelis are paying attention to right now in the news. And if I understand correctly, and I'm not sure I do, there's some big sports news. Yeah. What well, does that mean? It's not Marvel. It's not Marvel, Mike. It's uh, NBA. Yes. I mean, I can tell you about Gal Gadot in Wonder Woman, which is coming out, but I can't tell you about <laughs> sports stuff. So what's happening? Oh, I saw she's, she tweeted about it. It's going to be streamed on HBO Max and in some theaters. Uh, uh, what's it called? Wonder Woman 1984. Uh, yes. So actually, I'm a pretty big basketball fan. I guess I'm a resident expert on all things basketball. So the NBA had its draft last night, six months after it normally is supposed to happen because of coronavirus. And the new season will be starting next month. Um, And a very rare occasion, I believe the last time this happened, maybe in 2008, when two Israelis were picked on the end of the second round. One was Lior Eliyahu and the other one was Yotam Halpern was his name. I can't remember. I don't know the other guy. They both didn't actually make it in the NBA. Uh, There have been other Israelis being drafted. I'm happy to give you that history if if we find this interesting for our viewers. Uh, but last night, two Israelis were selected uh, in the Israeli draft, and one really prominently, uh, Denny Avdia, a 6'9 forward out of Maccabi Tel Aviv. His father was a professional basketball player in Israel, originally from Serbia, and uh, married a local Israeli woman. And um, Danny Avdia is the byproduct of that relationship. And so he is an up-and-coming prospect. Um, he did really well with Maccabi in the Israeli league. I want to say he won some award, maybe the MVP. He, he was the youngest. He was the youngest ever professional to professional player in Israel's history oh, at sixteen. Oh, yeah, yeah, at sixteen. That's pretty impressive. Um, he yeah. was really uh, was known for is taking Israel, I believe, back to back. We won the under twenty uh, championships on the Israeli national team. Uh, won it in Europe, and then we hosted it a year later, and I think we won it again, and that was in the Tel Aviv Stadium, the Hapol Stadium in northern Tel Aviv. Um, anyway, so he was drafted number nine. Um, yeah, with, that's crazy. Yeah, it means he's going to get a guaranteed four-year contract. Uh, he was drafted by Washington. Uh, I saw a funny tweet, by the way. Um, someone by the name of, I think, Fred Katz, who's the Washington beat writer, what he say? He said, well, eight teams didn't really think much of Danny Avadia, but the Washington Wizards, they think he's a keeper. K-E-E-P-A. 
Uh, keep, uh, yeah, yeah, right. Uh, oh, but, so why is this all over Israel's national news? That's what's the question. Why is this all over Israel's we're national news? Not, it's, the, it's the headline. Even the Times of Israel was the headline, like the okay. major headline. Um, I think we all went to day school, didn't we? How yes. did our school? Yeah, 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 right. So yes. did your schools play non-Jewish schools in sports? No. Yeah, about, yeah. yeah Kiva did. Milken did. You went to Yeshiva High School, so I guess you only played other Yeshiva High School. I went to Flatbush. Right. Because he's in New York. Right, fair enough. So, so we, don't, we, we don't have that occasion. Now, Alan, how was Akiva? How did they fare in sports against the local schools? Oh, actually, when, my, when I was in high school, we had like, they were ranked, it was like their highest ranking, at least up till then. I think they were ranked like 40th in the, in the high school basketball. It was like wow, so that's pretty amazing. Exactly. So you're saying it's amazing because usually yeah. Jewish schools aren't very good at sports. Just right? no, but we actually had some like killer basketball. That's players. crazy, right? So I guess yeah, I'm basketball. I'm being stereotypical, and I hope it's okay that I'm saying this. But at least Israel is not necessarily known for great sportsmen, right? We yeah. don't really win Olympic medals. Uh, we haven't been in the World Cup, I think, since 1972. Our national basketball team doesn't really do well either. We and do have a few Olympic medals. We do in Europe. Yeah. We do it in the Europe League, in the Basketball European League. No, no, no. Sorry. There's, there, we have to differentiate national sports from Maccabi Tel Aviv. Maccabi Tel Aviv is one of the best uh, professional um, basketball teams in Europe, and usually best players are not Israeli. Right. They're right. usually uh, so you're saying homegrown Israeli, homegrown athletes. Israeli. I'm not even talking the Amari Stoudemires or other Jews um, that come here that from, you know, the like even what's his name that said, uh, making fun of yeah. someone with an American accent in Hebrew who I speak Hebrew with a very heavily American accent. What's his name? Tal Brody. Right. Tal Brody. Tal Brody. Name Israeli, but he's not a homegrown product. It's in. He's not a Sabra. And Israelis are actually kind of, besides soccer, are very stir-crazy about basketball. And you can go on Twitter. A lot of Israeli politicians are commenting on this, and they actually follow it. Um, I saw, who's the other guy in Yishkatid that was going to challenge him for the leadership, the bald guy? Uh, Shelach, Ofer Shelach, made a great tweet. He wrote in Hebrew, essentially saying, well, Washington's got a pretty good backcourt there's an opening in the, the forward positions and Denny's a forward. So he'll have expectations, but he's got a great place to shine. Like he gave his analysis on the state of the Washington Wizards and he's the number two in the HOT. Yeah. So as in, we're kind of a basketball stir crazy country uh, besides soccer. And we, you know, I just think also, I mean, I'm not, a, I mean, I teach about Israel, but I wouldn't say I'm like an analyst of Israeli society and culture and an expert at it at all. But when Israelis shine, we just get really excited no matter what it is. Mm -hmm. You know, we get excited when people are positive about Israel. And, you know, we just, it feels well, that, And that reflects in a lot of the, I think a lot of the, the um, responses, right? First of all, like interviews with him, he's like, I feel all of Israel's behind me and with me. And Israel's like tweeting to him. And Danny Danone, I think it was Danny Danone, is it? Or someone's, you know, tweet him, you're now Israel's um, ambassador. You know, you're now also an ambassador for Israel. Like it's all, it's seen as like, okay, he's part of our family. It's like when you're, when your family, I know my, my, my nephew had a, had a close friend who's in the NFL and when wow. they, like he got drafted, it was like a whole thing, you know, like all the friends came, the family. So 
that's I think it's that kind of thing. Like Israel's like it, that. That would you get your core family kind of feeling. Well, you know, it's also oh, one of us has now made it big. Yeah, we're also very so. There's that, but there's also that we're very self conscious about our image around the world. Like we're all very. Uh, concerned with negative imaging about us so that when we have something positive that's out in the world, uh, it feels good. It's just, a, it's just a good endorphin feedback loop of like, oh yeah. boy, you know, this is exciting. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking absolutely. of that, Omri Caspi, actually, he did that. He started a foundation uh, which was to kind of brand Israel positively in the sports world and he would bring athletes yeah. here. I remember there was a delegation here like he brought and I got to meet some of the NBA athletes, which was really cool for me. And I remember I was manning a bar at an event and uh, Boogie Cousins comes up to me. Uh, for anyone who listens to um, uh, our podcast that I know is NBA, Boogie Cousins was a really successful center on the Kings. And um, Omri Caffey was playing with him in the Kings. So I guess that's how he got him to go. And he goes, what, you guys don't have any Hennessy here? <laughs> I'm never going to forget that. Or then I also asked one of the players about i don't know because uh, i wanted one of the players to go to the lakers and they're like he's like i'm not going to the lakers last thing i'm not going to the lakers <laughs> like yeah the lakers it was just kind of funny um Caspi was really good at it he was really good i saw him on some other players like uh, videos that they would do on social media and he would explain like what is kosher or what's to do with israel and so far what you know he would really Caspi was an amazing ambassador for us uh in the well, there was world. A- there was a term that got thrown around a lot, uh, soft diplomacy. It's a hundred percent. And I think that's a very real thing. In other words, it's, it's a, it's a sense of normalization. You know, if you're, there's, there's, there's this propaganda saying that Israelis are all like murderous, evil people, but like these guys seem super cool and normal and friendly. So it's, it's very bad. It's, it's, it's helpful uh, and it, 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 that positivity isn't just an internal feeling that we have. It actually, I think, makes a difference in the world. That goes back to your Gal Gadot, same thing. Right? Uh-huh. I really same, do think uh, so. I think that, right. you know, when people say this and that about Israelis and then they go and they watch a movie and she seems normal. I mean, she's Wonder Woman, right. so it's not normal. I shouldn't say that, but she's super powered, <laughs> but friendly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it is very cool to have a lottery pick, top 10 pick coming from Israel. And although another little sports insight, uh, this is not seen as a very strong draft as in um, like as in the players weren't seen as good as like as in previous years. So I don't know if we should expect any to make a difference. You know, 19 year olds. We'll see. But he'll, he'll have his time to grow and shine. He's only 19, but he's not the only Israeli. And I don't know anything about this other guy. I actually never heard of him until this morning. But the Boston Celtics with the 47th pick in the second round took Yam. Yam, I don't know. Yam. Yam. Is that his it's real name? Yam. Or is that his, like, Yam? That's a name. Yam? I've never met a Yam before. See? Yeah, I got that. Yeah. Yam Madar. Um, yeah. I thought it would be, like, a nickname for something, but who knows? Maybe it is. So he's a point guard out of a pole television. And he was, he's also 19, and he was taken by the Celtics. Now, this is the thing. Other Israelis, besides Omri Caspi, have been taken in the second round. The second round, they're not required to be given contracts by the teams that select them. Right. So it's not a given that he'll actually ever wear a Celtics jersey. Uh, but that would be very cool for an Israeli to, you know, on a legacy team like the Celtics, uh, for him to make it. So we'll see about that. Uh, because there were other Israelis I mentioned earlier. Also, Daron Sheffer, one of the famous Israeli players. He was out of UConn and was drafted by the Clippers. 
and he also never made it um, into the NBA. So we'll see if we'll have two Israeli players actually starting, and it will start in a month, the season. Um, but definitely Denny. We'll be looking on to him, represent us, white and blue, on the nation's capital. I find it, I also, you know, I mean, I find it funny, you know, when these big news stories, like that becomes a big news story in a week when we, you know, bom- openly bombed Iranians in Syria and killed, you know, I mean, killed Iranians, uh, soldiers in Syria uh, openly. We don't usually, we don't usually, you know. While the United it, States right? is saber rattling about Iran at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. So. I don't know if it's like this. Okay, people kind of just want to like after uh, the deluge of the American elections and all the Corona news and all that, they just kind of want a, a nice kind of feel good story at the top, you know, like uh, sports is a distraction or can't or, hurt. Uh, yeah, but we want. We'll, we'll have to do episodes on those issues also. Yeah. But we yeah. feel like a normal country, and people just want you know to be normal and it's mm-hmm. this is a normal thing so let's have just celebrate it there's a normal thing it's separated from yes we are in a geopolitical cluster um you know situation in the middle east which is not great and we don't have stable borders like neighbors unlike most western democracies have state like you know, I think Aaron David Miller, didn't he say it on the podcast about America has been very fortunate to have two borders, which are two great oceans, and then Mexico and Canada, right? So right. we, yes, we have the Mediterranean, which is really nice. I actually thought he said it even stronger. Like he, he said, America has managed to take itself out of history. <laughs> well, that, <laughs> that's what makes because, an Aaron David Miller and what makes me mean. You know. <laughs> I mean, that was an incredible thought, like the fact that like you're able to have like this, you know, geographic island really of, of, uh, of security. I wouldn't call it necessarily peace, but security. Yes. We don't have that. Not in the slight. Well, yeah. The sense that that's we- what a lot of bunch of people in, you know, 1787 to sit around in Philadelphia and come up with a constitution. They had the time and the tranquility to do it. Right. And to, right, it's, uh, that 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 is definitely part of it. Shows you how much geography counts. I mean, again, and also like our, our week began with rockets being mm-hmm. shot towards the center of the country for the first time in you know. And it is it ama- years. Isn't it amazing yeah. how little we're bothered by that? Yeah. It well, they, nothing. I think they blamed it on the weather. Yeah. Yeah, they do. They, they, they that that has happened before. And if it is or it isn't, it's just a way for Israel to kind of cover and to not have to. Israel did respond, but mm-hmm. not to escalate. That's still a bizarre thing. That there could be a, a thunder or lightning storm and you'll get a rocket shot off. Right. <laughs> it just means the rockets are ready to be shot. They just see. Yeah. That also doesn't yeah. happen in Chevy Chase, Maryland. Yes, exactly. No, it absolutely does not. Um, so, I, I wanted cool. to ask him a few more questions in last week's episode. I wasn't done, but we'll have to save that for a future episode. What questions? Uh-huh. Uh, he mentioned that the, the, the three lessons from the first Camp David should have been learned in the second Camp David, but he never said what those were. There was a million things I wanted to follow up with yeah. him. But how would that... But one was with Egypt and one was with the Palestinians. Yeah, but, but just yeah. strategically... 
how do you bring the parties to what how does america successfully negotiate the parties together i wanted to hear more about that well i think he, he just wrote a piece i didn't read it on the, how biden could be very just the fact that biden was elected is already somehow better for the israeli-palestinian peace process i didn't read it so i, I can't bring it up but i wonder if he's going to bring that bring that insight well i mean Again, I mean, if you take the, if you, the Trump tactic was going outside around, uh, doing an end around the Palestinians, right? Mm-hmm. That that's the Trump tactic, going an end around the Palestinians. If you think that that's ultimately not going to work, if you think ultimately the only way is going to be for the Palestinians and Israelis to sit down together, so. But they're two set. The I, the Chokhmah, the Trump administration was the wisdom of it was like smart because it there really isn't an Arab-Israeli conflict anymore, but there absolutely is an Israeli-Palestinian conflict, and yeah. you know, realizing the fact that the Arab-Israeli conflict is more or less over, we shouldn't you know be bogged down for progress just because the Israeli-Palestinian conflict seems to so people always made that connection. Trump essentially obliterated any sort of possibility on the Israeli-Palestinian front because the Palestinians haven't talked to the Americans since the Jerusalem recognition of over three years ago. Um, but on the one hand, the, that was able to bring us farther along in the Arab-Israeli front because the Arab states realized that no one actually cares, at least in their societies enough, about the Palestinian issue you know, there wasn't crazy wars and violence even on the Palestinian street after the recognition of Jerusalem, after the embassy. And so they realized, oh, okay, we actually probably could make our relations, which were secret with Israel, public because the Palestinian street isn't as pissed off as people are saying. Our street isn't pissed off at all. Um, this is good. Right, for- but that's what the Palestinians strategically should be. They should be leveraging that. They should be saying, look, UAE, look, Bahrain, you guys want this normalization to work? The Palestinian street, if it goes hot, that's going to be hard. You're going to pay a price. So they you know need to be pushing. It's, it's, By the way, I'm, I, don't, I don't think it's a bluff. We, and we saw two interesting things that happened this really? week. Again, it's also very interesting how the Palestinians work. Because the Palestinians often work one hand pu- publicly and very different privately. Right. And I think I mean, they're not the only ones. Everyone that. does that. But two things we've seen, right, two things we've seen this week. Security con- security uh, arrangements have restarted. returned, have restarted between Israel and the Palestinians, and and the Palestinians returned their uh, diplomats to the UAE. And Bahrain, too, yeah. yeah. And Bahrain. So, you know, it could very well be that that was, you know, okay, they needed to, it's like, it's like Hamas shooting the rockets over and us, you know, doing a couple, bombing a couple of empty warehouses. Okay, now it's done. Like, mm-hmm. you know, they needed to make their statements. Oh, this is terrible. We're bad at it. And now. To bring it back to sports, it's like kicking dust on the umpire's shoes. You're not going to change the call, but you had to put in right. the complaint so that they watch out in the future. Nice. Right, exactly. Uh, Look at you. With you guys a good sports reference. Yeah. Oh, I got my, right. Um, the, I, I agree with everything. I do think, though, (laughs) but no, I, I, which is never fun. I don't like podcasts when people agree. It's just like, why am I listening to you? No, but I I wonder, and I bring this up with my classes too. um, I wonder um, if Trump didn't do the things that he did on the Palestinian front, if we would have had these peace deals, normalization deals with, UAE and Bahrain and the process starting with Sudan. 
to minimize the palace, the way that he minimized the Palestinian issue as not being really so important that the Arab states and Israel can normalize their relations. If Trump didn't do that, would we be where we are today? That's the question that I have for myself, even as someone who is not a big fan and not a voter of, of Trump can recognize that I, as an Israeli and the country I live in, has benefited tremendously from the administration's policies towards the Palestinians and towards Iran and being really strong in Iran and really working you know, with the various Arab states to bring Israel and the Arabs closer. Like, I really think on those three things, uh, it has benefited tremendously for Israel on the, in terms of the greater Middle East, on a Miri Eisen type of conversation, which she would help us know, learn more about. Um, but in terms of the Israeli-Palestinian front, we're very not in a good place. But I think in the grand scheme of things, I'd rather have what we have, you know, towards Iran and with these Arab states normalizing deals then, you know, the status quo with the Palestinians, at least for me as an Israeli, it seems to be manageable. And I live on the right side of the, of, you know, in terms of in the, the free democracy. And I, you know, I'm not living under any sort of occupation or under Palestinian authority or God for, you know, forbid under Gaza. Right. So as in maybe as a Palestinian, they don't think about it. Oh, my life is way worse than it was before Trump. They can make that argument. So I would see that differently, trying to put both sides out there. But at least for me as an Israeli, it seems that policy of, you know, Palestinians pay or play, you're not going to play fine. I'm going to help out with this other thing. And it's really worked out for us. I would, I would even put it differently and say that although the Trump administration's foreign policy set goals in different regions and did not hit those goals in many regions, in the Middle East, the goals they set, they hit. Which you certainly can't say the Middle East goals of the previous two administrations, you can't say they hit their goals. The Bush administration, the Obama administration set a lot of goals in the Middle East and a lot of them were not hit properly. But uh, the Trump administration set goals and hit them. So, and oh. I do think they benefit Israel. I mean, this, I, don't, I don't know that, that you can make a coherent argument. That but Obama, Obama did. Hmm? No, I was, uh, was going to say Obama did Obama signed the Iran deal. Yeah, I'm sort of leaving aside Iran because it's not clear that Trump hit his goals in Iran. But, uh, it, it, you know, th that, that goal was a major goal, uh, and they did hit it. But I, I was talking more in the Arab world. But you're right. The Obama administration did get the Iran deal. Right. Yeah. I would, and I think another great pot is try and understand, well, the end of Trump and going into Biden, what's going to happen with Iran? We should get the Iran expert on because that... Um, I don't, my hunch is, I don't think Biden is Obama, even though he was his vice president. Biden has his own policy ideas. Um, and I think he's much more in the center of the Democratic Party when it comes to this stuff. And he's been in, around, you know, for a while. So I just wonder if, you know, yes, he was. That's what Aaron David well, Miller Aaron, said. Aaron David maybe maybe that's where I got that idea. That. Aaron David Miller said he was a Clinton. Exactly. Yeah, he's he a was, Clinton. He said he was a Clinton. I will tell you this. But he works How do Obama. I watch? I will tell you this. Watch who he hires. Yeah, but even watch if who he hires. Even I know. I think you said. Did Did you say that in the podcast, or did Aaron say that? I in might the have. No, because I I was listening to him. I was not listening to me. <laughs> I also listened to you, but even based on who he hires, you know, he could still sideball people. Like, is it? Yes, I think there is a little bit of insight. That matters. It for sure matters, but yeah, I don't think it's the whole. Saying. I don't think it's the whole story, and I. I do think the Biden administration will 
um, take advantage of the region that they're given um, four years after Obama and not do the same thing Trump did, which is everything Obama did, I'm the complete opposite. I, I don't see Biden doing it. Everything has to be anti-Trump, even though the only reason it seems he was elected is because he got an anti-Trump coalition together, not because people were necessarily pro-Biden. Um, I think he'll analyze the situation and be like, we're not just going into the new the Iran deal just because my old boss did it. Um, mm-hmm. we'll have to, and I think he'll listen to the Gulf states and the Saudis. Um, I hope so. Although I do think he will pursue re-engaging in the Iran deal. I'm not sure that it'll work. I do think his uh, – look, if you, if you can say one century – if there's one unifying concept, one theme to Biden, it's let's calm things down and get them normal. So to a certain and, – and, and Trump is a disruptor. Let's try new things and let's change how we're doing things. And I don't – you know, if that kicks a hornet's nest, we'll deal with a hornet's nest. So you're going to see a very different and, – and that's going to manifest itself, I think, in Middle East policy. I think you also have to we have to take into consideration that <clears throat> although we're very excited about the vaccine possibilities, it's going to be a tough winter in America, and it's it's shoring up to be not not something simple, and that's going to have a lot of effect of how about how much focus is going yeah. to be on foreign policy and how much in the domestic. I, I will and bring up history, which was uh, Obama comes into office on the heels of the greatest economic crisis since the Great Depression. And on the first day in office, he hires George Mitchell as his negotiator and puts the Israeli-Palestinian issue up there as the first things he's doing. Just because, I mean, the Great Recession and Corona are, I think Corona overtakes it in terms of a crisis in society, but it's, the Great Recession is number two, right? So... I, I don't know. We have to see. We'll, know, we'll, we'll see, see how it plays out. We'll see how it plays out, but we'll I plays don't out, think... It's, also true, it's also true they didn't take any serious initiative for until Kerry, for the entire... Clint, Clinton was Secretary of State, and they did almost nothing on the Israeli-Palestinian issue because yeah. oh, it, it hit the back burner. Well, no, he Kerry, forced... Obama's he forced, second term tuned it up. That's not true, I would I know. Say. There, was the, I, there was the settlement... The settlement freeze, moratorium saying, from November 09 to September 10. BB gave this... That's Iran. why he went to the back burner. Went to the back burner because nothing happened. He, he couldn't get them. He couldn't get both sides to the table. Abbas agreed to direct negotiations three weeks before the end of the ten month moratorium. Obviously, knowing he couldn't extend another moratorium, like it, you know. And then there was the whole people have been brought up since Biden has become president elect. When Biden visited here, I think it was in March two thousand and ten, he was giving a speech at Tel Aviv University, and then some municipal community committee in Jerusalem some bureaucratic process to approve plots of houses or apartments in Ramat Shlomo in Northern Jerusalem, which is over the green line. And it caused an international snafu. And um, by the way, that was, that was Netanyahu and Biden. Yeah. So no, I'm saying, so now we're back to the Netanyahu Biden thing. Yeah. So Um, by the way, that's the other, uh, that's the other thing you have to take into consideration is that Israel's in a very different place now in terms of, mm -hmm. you know, Netanyahu has his problems. They're, they're racking up the election talks here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, So if election comes in, there's not going to be much movement on it. You know, only be a move that could only be contentious because the right will, will move up rhetoric. So, uh, you know, I think we we have to wait and see. That is my, uh, mine is a wait and see. Nobody knows. That's always a wise, yeah, always a wise perspective. Wait and see. We have a lot to yeah. unpack. 
so this is just sort of a catching up with what's going on with the news episode. And we have yeah. our work ahead of us in trying to make sense and understand of what's going on behind the headlines as we move forward. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you, Alan. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Benji. Thank you. This was very okay. I enjoyed it. <laughs> Learn to live with it, Alan. <laughs> Uh, listener, I'm glad this is not a visual podcast. <laughs> <laughs> bye bye. <laughs>